Good evening. We'll continue with our studies in Romans and this evening we're going to look at Love Your Enemies. Romans chapter 12 verses 11 through to 14. If people insult you, persecute you and say all manner of evil things about you because you're a Christian, then you are blessed. There's an example of that in Acts chapter 5, where the apostles, having just received a beating because they were going around preaching the gospel, they rejoiced because they were counted worthy to suffer shame for the name that is above every name, the Lord Jesus Christ. It really is a blessed thing to suffer for Christ's sake, and it is a means whereby faith is built up as the persecuted Christian looks to his Saviour for the grace to endure the trials. But how are we who are trusting in Jesus to react when we meet opposition in a world that hates our Saviour and, by association, hates all of us who seek to live born-again lives for the glory of God? This evening, as we continue to consider what it means in practice to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, our time will be taken up with considering the Christian's dealings not only with other Christians, but also with his enemies. Let's have a look at verse 11 in chapter 12. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Whatever business you do as a Christian, be it in the church or out of it, spiritual or not spiritual, you have no business doing it in a slothful or lazy manner. And that is because ultimately it is the Lord Jesus Christ whom you serve. The Greek word that has been translated business in verse 11 means diligence. If you, would do, if you were to do something on behalf of someone whom you love and you respect, it would not make sense for you to be lazy in that task. How much more is that the case when you are a servant of the Son of God who loved you and who gave himself for you, irrespective of what you are doing? whether it is schoolwork or some menial job or whatever, as a servant and willing slave of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are not to be slothful. You can see something of a person's faith in the level of his effort. For example, in Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 through to 30, Jesus said, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man travelling into a far country, who called his own servants, and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. 
And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast what is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which have ten talents. For unto every one that have shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that have not shall be taken away every that which he'd have. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Is there any genuine Christian who does not want to hear those words from his Lord and Saviour? Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. I can't imagine there is. Far from being lazy in business, you are to be fervent in spirit where fervent means boiling or zealous, which is the complete opposite of being slothful. You are to be zealous and boiling to serve your Lord. Why else would you still be in this miserable world if not to be zealous and boiling to serve your Lord? The Lord Jesus Christ has saved you to be zealous. As it is written in Titus chapter 2, verse 13 and 14, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Saviour, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. 
It may seem like a tall order for Christians to be diligent and zealous, but it is not when you consider that it is God who works in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. It's interesting to note that where most English Bibles have spirit with a small s in verse 11, some of the other Bibles have spirit with a capital S, as in God the Holy Spirit. Both are fine when you appreciate that you can only be fervent in spirit when you walk in God the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit indwells you, and He is the one who lifts you out of your slothfulness and to uh, to fervently and zealously serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, have a look at verse 12. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Here in the midst of a passage that causes us to consider our reasonable service, the Apostle Paul says, rejoice in hope. Therefore, day by day, as you do whatever the Lord has prepared for you to do in his service, in order that you might glorify him, you are to rejoice in hope. To do that is to lift your thoughts to heaven and to future glory. Therefore, cheerfully do whatever Jesus has given you to do, as you keep in mind that he has declared his will to his Father for you to be with him where he is, to behold his glory. Also, you are to be patient in tribulation. It is precisely when you have a very real and lively hope in the Lord Jesus Christ that you are able to be patient in tribulation, knowing that there is nothing that is able to separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus your Lord. However, for the time being, you will receive tribulation from God, who gives you all of those trials for your good, even though at times they may well be painful as you are being purified like silver or gold in a hot furnace of fire and the dross is being scraped away. Even so, you have every reason to echo the words of the psalmist who said, As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. As you seek God's enabling grace to diligently serve him, and as you pass through the furnace of affliction, prayer is a must. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17, Paul says, Pray without ceasing. In other words, there should never be a time when you are not acknowledging God and looking to him to direct your path. You can be sure that sin will make you lazy, it will dampen your spirit, and it will cause you to lose hope and to despair. Therefore, in prayer, confess your sins, and God is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Praying to God is a great opportunity to praise him and to adore him. 
pray that you do God's will in the life that you now live in his dear son and that you would glorify him in life and in death. We'll have a look at verse 13. Distributing to the necessities of necessity of saints given to hospitality. It goes without saying that we are to meet the needs of fellow Christians. Even so, Paul spells it out to us in verse 13 when he talks about distributing to the necessity of saints. It goes without saying when you consider what he has already said in verse 5 about being one body in Christ. And there are many verses that encourage Christians to distribute to the necessity of the saints, such as in James chapter 2, verse 15 and 16, where James said, If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what does it profit? It's worth noting that distributing to the necessity of saints does not mean rewarding slothfulness or idleness. For example, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 11, Paul said, Do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. And in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10, Paul most certainly did not pull any punches when he said, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Also here in verse 13, Paul talks about being given to hospitality. To give you some idea what that means, the Greek word, that has been translated as hospitality in verse 13, is translated to entertain strangers in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 2, where it is written, Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Therefore, coming back to Romans chapter 12 and verse 13, Paul is talking about rendering assistance to brethren who come from a distance. Opening your home to missionaries and who knows, perhaps even angels. And opening your home to visitors to our own church. The Lord Jesus Christ deals with hospitality as in entertaining strangers in Matthew chapter 25 verse 35 where he says, I was a stranger and ye took me in. That is something that Jesus, the righteous judge, shall say to his sheep on the day of judgment. For their part they will say, When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in? And Jesus will say, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. That takes us back to verse 11, which is about serving the Lord. Perhaps you can see that being given to hospitality or taking in strangers 
is quite simply something that all true believers do in their Christian service as unto the Lord. Last of all, we'll look at verse 14. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. The word bless can mean praise, as in blessing God or praising God. However, here in verse 14, to bless them which persecute you means to pray for God's blessing to be upon those who who persecute you. The ungodly, even though they have no interest in God, may well look heavenwards to God, whom they claim not to believe in, to rain down curses upon those who persecute them. However, you, as a Christian, are to bless your persecutors by praying that God would grant them repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus spoke about blessing your enemies in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 and 44. He said, Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbour and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you. It's important to understand that blessing them which persecute you does not mean forgiving them. Also, it doesn't mean asking God to re to reward them for being horrible to you. But it does mean looking to God to forgive them in the same way that God forgave you when you first trusted in Jesus as a repentant sinner. If you have understood what blessing someone means, as in praying for God's blessing to be upon someone, God's salvation blessing to be upon someone, then I trust you can see how ridiculous it is for an unbeliever to say, bless you. Maybe you are such a person, someone who is not trusting in Jesus as your saviour from sin, yet those words, bless you, roll out of your unsanctified mouth from time to time. If that is you, you are in no position to seek God's blessing upon anyone. In fact, if you do not, if you do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the curse of God and his holy and righteous anger are upon you. Therefore, repent, believe the gospel, and may God bless you with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in his dear Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs>